Hey there, thank you for listening to the Wild Wellness Podcast. I'm your host, Jenny, and everything I offer you is about inspiring you to live and sweat in sync with nature with solo episodes and conversations with other wild femmes who share so much wisdom to help you reach your goals without sacrificing your well-being. This is a wild femme episode where I have a conversation with a guest on a topic that I hope will help you to take care of your body so that you can live your one wild life. And with me on this conversation is Dr. Amy Horneman, and she is a leading certified functional medicine expert on a mission to support thyroid patients around the world. She, of course, had her own experience of misdiagnoses and improper treatment. So now she helps those who are going through that same set of frustrations and possibly that medical roller coaster. She specializes in clinically investigating factors of chronic disease and customizing health programs for thyroid issues, autoimmune conditions, hormonal dysfunctions, digestive disorders, and brain problems. And she consults people around the world via telehealth and virtual appointments, addressing everything from lab values to nutrition to lifestyle. I love that Amy looks at each person as a unique individual and not just a lab value. And she examines all factors that tie into thyroid dysfunction and thyroid symptoms, treating the person from top to bottom to help them get their lives back. So welcome, Dr. Amy Horneman. Thank you so much for having me on. That was that was beautifully done. Thank you for the beautiful intro. Yes, wanted the guests to get a exact picture of who you are and, and who you serve, what you offer. But the question I love to ask guests on these episodes, uh, for those who don't know you at all and who don't know you other than what I shared about you already, what would you love to most be known for? I want to be the fixer of thyroids. So in my practice, in my life, I run into so many women and you talk to them, you, you run into them, you have guests on that, that speak of their patients too. So many that are dealing with these symptoms that we'll get into that just ruin your life. You know, as a woman, when you get dressed in the morning, you put something on and it's tight, that just sucks and it ruins your day and it ruins your mental attitude. And when you don't have enough energy to get out of bed, then that makes you more depressed. And, and it really, I can't even tell you the amount of misdiagnosed and undiagnosed patients that I run into mostly women that it's thyroid. And when we fix that, they get their lives back. That's why I use that term. It's literally like their, their old self comes back. What they look at in the mirror is, is a reflection of how they actually used to feel and want to feel. It's just, it's, it's tying that all together and literally seeing the light come on in so many women where it's dim right now and they just, they glow and everything comes back and life is great again. So that's it. I want to be a thyroid fixer. I know someone is watching or listening that that is probably what's resonating with them because they tuned into this conversation for some reason, and maybe they haven't been diagnosed yet, or maybe they're on that roller coaster of getting to that process. So could you talk a little bit about what they might be experiencing that could be related to thyroid if they haven't been diagnosed yet? And then we'll get to the part of if someone already has been diagnosed and is getting treated for thyroid what we want to look at with labs and why that might not tell the whole picture. So we'll get there too. But first, like if someone's on that roller coaster, can we start there? 
Yeah, absolutely. So really the first sign that many patients that I run into and talk to have, the very first sign is that weight gain where they're like, what the hell is going on? Something is going on with my body. It's it's not me. I'm all of a sudden gaining weight. I can't stop it. I go to the gym. I go to the gym twice a day. I eat well. What is happening? And that was really part of my story. I was actually getting ready for a figure competition. So back in the day, I used to compete. I did fitness modeling and the competitions. You stand on a stage, a little bikini, NPC figure. And I had done enough of them to know what to do and how to do. And I had a coach. And this one particular show that I was getting ready for, I was gaining weight instead of losing. Now, anybody that knows the diet and exercise regimen that goes into prepping for a bodybuilding contest, a figure show, it is tough. It is strict. There is no biological way that your body should be gaining weight. It should be losing. I mean, even if you take out the calories in, calories out, it should be losing weight. You're you're feeding yourself clean food and you're doing the right workouts and taking the supplements. So here's me putting on weight, 20 plus pounds, and that's a huge red flag. So that's really the first sign, I would say. And then, you know, the hair loss, literally just clumps of hair in the shower, in your brush, in your hand, you run your hand through your hair, you get all this hair tangle in your fingers. And then, you know, women start to panic. I would start to panic. That's another big sign. Fatigue is another big one. And then there are so many, the interesting thing about the thyroid, it is the master gland. So there are so many symptoms correlated to it that when you say the symptoms, people will be like, oh yeah, that's right. Well, I have this frozen shoulder that nobody can figure out what it is. And I go to the chiropractor and I get massage and I got injections and nothing helps. Or I had this rash and I went to the dermatologist. And so there's some funky symptoms too that really are tied to thyroid as well. Big ones, weight gain, inability to lose weight, fatigue, hair loss, cold intolerance, anxiety, depression, sleep issues, low libido. And then you have all those other kind of crazy ones too that are very much correlated to a thyroid disorder. Right. Yeah, that's helpful. And for someone who already has been diagnosed and maybe they were diagnosed based on certain lab results. Like I know TSH would be one lab result you'd look at. What, what are your thoughts on that? What could be some issues there if they were diagnosed based on that and being treated based on that? Yeah. So this goes for really undiagnosed and already diagnosed patients, because if you're undiagnosed, you want to demand all of the proper testing. Mm -hmm. So like you said, Jenny, TSH, So TSH is thyroid stimulating hormone. And when we look at actually what it does, it's usually the one test that you will get if you go to your doctor and you say, I really want a thyroid test. And they'll test TSH and maybe they'll test free T4. And that's a measure of one of the thyroid hormones we'll get to. Mm -hmm. So testing TSH does not give you the whole picture whatsoever. It is thyroid stimulating hormone released by the pituitary gland. It stimulates the thyroid. So the pituitary says, so hypothalamus talks to pituitary. Pituitary says, is there enough thyroid hormone in this person's body to run the show, to give them a metabolism, to grow their hair, to give them energy? And if there's not, then it starts to yell. It's like poking the thyroid saying, hey, bud, you got to wake up a little bit here. You're not doing your job. Mm -hmm. And it will get louder and louder and TSH will get higher and higher if it doesn't sense that there's enough thyroid hormone in the body. But it's not a measure of the thyroid hormones themselves. 
So if that's where we have to take it one step further, because there are many, many people who will have a normal TSH and that range is a whole other topic. The range needs to be more narrowed. We look at it from a functional medicine, optimal range where you're going to feel your best. So if we just go by TSH alone, the majority of people will go undiagnosed and then the diagnosed people will go undertreated. So they'll be mismanaged. They'll be put on the wrong medication. They'll be mistreated, maltreated, undertreated because no one is looking at their actual thyroid hormones. So then we take a step down and we go free T4 and free T3. Well, T4 is inactive and T3 is the active thyroid hormone. Every single cell in your body has a receptor site on it for T3. Every cell, your heart, your brain, your muscle, your skin, your hair, everything, every cell has a receptor site on it for T3. So if we're not measuring free T3, we don't know anything. We don't know how much of the active thyroid hormone is actually in your system ready to connect to that receptor site. So we need to test those two hormones. We need to test reverse T3, especially with my diagnosed patients listening, because you're probably on T4. You're probably on Levo or Synthroid or Tyrosin. Maybe you're on Armor if you're lucky or Naturethroid or NP, but nobody's looking at your reverse T3. That's going to be a measure of how well you're converting that inactive hormone T4 into the active hormone T3. If reverse T3 is high, I always say it's like a bouncer at the door. Standing there with his arms crossed saying, I'm sorry, Mr. T3, you're not getting in. Neither are you. And neither are you. So the T3 is in the body, but reverse T3 being elevated, you have too many bouncers. They're not even letting the T3 into the cell. Mm-hmm. So there's so much we have to test. And then we have to test your antibodies to see whether or not you even have Hashimoto's. And does it really change the course of treatment that much? Not really, but we do like to see where your antibodies are. There are different dietary uh, changes that we can make to lower the antibodies or to at least help them along. So we, we definitely want to test those for sure. So testing is imperative for both undiagnosed and already diagnosed patients just to get the full picture of how well you're being treated. Yeah, that's an important point because if they have been diagnosed, those tests that they originally got for that diagnosis might not have had that whole picture that you just went through. Right. So you said something there a minute ago too about levels that are considered in the normal range, but might not be optimal. So can you talk a little bit more about that? Definitely. So the normal standard lab value range that you see on your lab work when you get it back is huge. It's taken from a sample of sick and non-sick people. And we're not really factoring in Do they eat at McDonald's every day? Do they buy their foods organic from Whole Foods? We're going to take that into consideration. So it's huge. And functional medicine says, you know what? We need to narrow this down a little bit. We need to narrow all the ranges down because we know that in this range, this is where people will feel optimal. They will be their best. Mm -hmm. So when we're talking about TSH, that's actually been debated for decades It used to go from zero to something like 10, whereas a doctor wouldn't even look at you unless you were 11, 12, 14, 20 in the TSH. Well, now we know you're going to feel like garbage if you're over a two. If you're over a two, we're going, wow, how do you feel, Susie? 
you know, your, your TSH is a four. I know it's not flagged on your labs and probably no one said anything to you about it, but we know in functional medicine that you're probably not feeling so great. So let's look at your other hormones too. Oh, look, your free T3. It's a 2.4. You're only 0.1 above what the bottom of the reference range is on your labs. And we know that if it's not a 3.5 or above, you're probably going to feel like garbage. So then we piece that together. We say, okay, this person has a high, elevated TSH. They have a low free T3. Maybe ha- they have a low free T4 as well. They have Hashimoto antibodies and nobody's saying anything. So we really have to use that functional range in the labs to not only diagnose, but also to treat. So if someone has a low free T3 and they're on a boatload of T4 medication, they're on 125 micrograms of Synthroid. Well, it's not converting very well if your T3 is still low. So you can keep taking all the medication in the world that you want. You're not going to feel better because there's this number here telling us that you don't have enough T3 to run the show. It's so important to understand those connections. I'm learning a lot just in hearing you talk about this. And, you know, I'm reflecting on years ago when I was having fatigue and had gained some weight just really randomly, as it seems, since I was working out and eating well and was like, what, where's this extra coming from? And also I was not sleeping well. I was having aches and pains. So I went to first um, a naturopathic doctor and then ended up going through some conventional tests and also then to a functional medicine doctor. But I remember some of my lab results came back and my thyroid was looking like it needed some support. I was on the the lower end of range, like it was under functioning. It was more a hypothyroid kind of picture. And so I ended up having a lot of adrenal issues going on too. My cortisol was off and all of that. So in treating the thyroid first, I actually didn't feel better right away. I felt really, I felt more run down. I felt more tired and, um, you can share a little bit more on this. That's why I'm kind of leading into it this way. Cause I'd like to hear your perspective, but in my understanding, it's like revving up the adrenals, which were kind of downregulating in order to support the thyroid doesn't make a lot of sense. So you have to support them both at the same time. But I, that was my understanding at the time and kind of thinking why that might've happened for me. That could be completely off. Tell me about what you see in patients and adrenal connection with thyroid. Big adrenal connection with thyroid. Mm -hmm. Big, big, big. Uh, So we know that when when we give the medication T3, so I'll use the example of of a T3 only patient. So myself and Karen, we're, we're T3 only. When you give T3, the adrenals will respond to that, usually by kind of kicking up cortisol. And when we get a little bit of a boost and we get a little bit of a rise in cortisol. So we can actually time T3 dosing, especially in patients with low cortisol. We can time it to try to support the adrenals and and kick it up a little bit, kick it up a little bit. But we also know that if someone's walking around with high cortisol, they're under a boatload of stress. They're not taking care of themselves. They're not sleeping. They're not doing meditation. They're not doing yoga. They're not doing anything for stress. They have all this stress in their life and their adrenals are not completely exhausted yet. We're not in the low cortisol range yet. We're still pumping out that cortisol in response to stress. We're pumping out that cortisol in response to high blood sugar all day long. Then that cortisol will impair the T4 to T3 conversion. So again, we come back to... You can have all the T4 in your body that you want. If it doesn't convert to the active form of T3, 
doesn't really matter. So if you're walking around with high cortisol, that's a huge factor in the conversion of T4 to T3. So I'm wondering if that wasn't kind of playing a role with you and kind of almost lowering thyroid function because you weren't getting enough of that conversion happening with, with a lot of stress and high cortisol, which us type A people kind of have because we overwork ourselves, but you know, it happens. <laughs> like you said before learning about how to manage and how to, um, you know, have other practices to lower cortisol levels to get into that parasympathetic nervous system state, like meditation or yoga, or at least not, I mean, knowing about them a little bit, but really uh, putting them into practice and realizing how important they were. That was pre all of that for sure. So yeah, huge connection there. I know a lot of people listening, watching might have either diagnosed adrenal issues or be wondering about that too. So definitely a connection to look at there and everyone's going to be different and lots of different things that could be going on. But if someone does have those lab results and they're a little confused about the interpretation and they're wanting to optimize thyroid levels, of course, consulting with functional medicine practitioner like yourself is going to be recommended, but is there anything that you normally take someone down the path on when they are trying to optimize thyroid just from a lifestyle perspective or anything that they can be thinking about other than here's a medication for that, which might be needed. And that's helpful. But what else do you talk about from a holistic perspective on thyroid? Right. So going back, some people do need the meds, right? Mm -hmm. So sometimes we have to utilize medication in order to really get that balance and get people feeling better, especially at the low T3 and and all of that. Mm -hmm. And then from a lifestyle perspective, I always say you can't do one without the other. I can't give you medication and you're eating at, you know, a fast food restaurant every day, or you're making your pasta and you're eating your bread and you're eating all this processed foods and you're not sleeping, it's not going to work. So they both have to go hand in hand. At the same time, we could do all of the lifestyle changes and we still might need the medication over here Mm -hmm. to go along with it. Mm -hmm. So the big ones, I mean, we know, we know that high insulin levels are a huge problem for disease states, for thyroid function, for your body to work, for your brain to work. So now we know that high insulin can contribute to aging neurodegenerative diseases like Alzheimer's. We're calling Alzheimer's type three diabetes now because of its connection with high insulin. Mm -hmm. We know that high insulin levels impair T4 to T3 conversion of the thyroid. We know that high insulin causes a huge amount of inflammation in the body. So I always say the fast, if you want to age really, really fast, keep jacking your insulin up, keep that blood sugar nice and high, pump up that insulin all day long, and you will age quickly, my friend. You will get cancer, you will get Alzheimer's, you will wrinkle quickly, you you will age faster than if you kept your insulin levels down. So keeping the processed food out, looking at the type, I don't mean you have to be keto, but look at the type of carbs that you're putting in your body. Get out of the calories in, calories out mindset and look at what is the food that's going in. Because if you're eating you know, snack well cookies because you're still in 1995 thinking that you got to go low fat and you got to count your calories and they're only 100 calories, but they are loaded with sugar and loaded with gluten and they're super high in carbs and they're going to spike your blood sugar and your insulin, you're not doing yourself a favor and you're just creating that cycle that's going to keep you in a really bad place, be it 
thyroid disorder or something worse, just normal aging diseases will come on much, much faster. Or maybe you'll just be in pain. You know, maybe you'll just destroy your gut through high, high inflammatory foods and keeping your insulin high and you'll get migraines all the time, or you'll get joint pain all the time. You'll just be a walking ball of inflammation. So I would say that's the one key lifestyle component that I do with all my patients is change the diet to lower the insulin. It doesn't have to be low carb. You can eat carbs that don't spike your insulin levels, but we have to lower the insulin. Yeah. What are some better things to focus on? For carbs? For carbs and uh, ones that wouldn't spike insulin as much. Yeah. So this is different for everybody. So so this is where like getting into continuous glucose monitoring comes in, which is really super cool. But Mm -hmm. yeah, sweet potatoes in general. The first thing that came to my mind. I wondered if you were going to say sweet potatoes. Yeah. (laughs) Sweet potatoes. So in general, you know, most people do fine. You'll occasionally get, I mean, even with CGMs becoming more and more mainstream now, I'll get feedback from patients that have it. They're like, yeah, I ate, um, I ate a, a head of broccoli and my blood glucose went to 144. Okay. Well then, you know, that's just giving you feedback on that, but, but we can't say all people should avoid broccoli because it's going to jack your glucose up. Mm-hmm. So it, it's really individualized, but in general, all your vegetables you know, don't get out of the, I have to avoid carrots because they're high glycemic. Go ahead and eat your carrots and throw them in with the broccoli and the cauliflower and the squashes and have some roasted butternut squash. And yes, I know it's a little bit higher in carbs, but that's okay. And just see how your body does. So even if you don't have a CGM, you can get a glucometer from Walmart and do a finger prick test Mm -hmm. to test your insulin response. Do it 15 minutes after you eat, half an hour after you eat, two hours after you eat, see what your blood sugar does. See how you feel. Just tune into your body. If you're getting the, the sweats and your, your Apple watch says that your heart rate's at 150 and you're doing cardio while you're sitting down after you eat a meal, that meal probably wasn't the best choice for you, at least for your body. So maybe you respond to a sweet potato and you're like, oh, oh my gosh, I got the food sweats. Well, then, okay, that, let's, let's go another route. Let's find another carb that, that works for you. Maybe butternut squash will work better. So we'll try that. Yeah, that's helpful. And how do environmental toxins play a role in thyroid? We kind of talked about food there a little bit with what you might look at there, but what kind of things do you see with what we interact with in the environment and how we can maybe avoid some of that? I know it's so bad these days because it's hidden in so many different things. But so in your area of expertise, you know, there are xenoestrogens everywhere. Mm-hmm. So I'm seeing these high estrogen levels mm-hmm. across the board in males, in females, in teenage boys. We are seeing these ginormous estrogen levels, estrogen dominance across the board. A lot of different environmental toxins are act on the endocrine system. So they are endocrine disruptors. So they are going to disrupt your sex hormones. They're going to throw off the balance of estrogen, progesterone, testosterone, the whole deal. So all those will be all messed up. And of course, they're going to affect your thyroid because thyroid is part of the endocrine system. They might even affect your insulin signaling. So how your body is responding to food could be just from the endocrine disruption of the toxins in your environment. So we know that high estrogen levels, really easy to get in this day and age, plastic water bottles, plastic containers, BPA all across the board. You grab a receipt 
from the grocery store in your hand, it's loaded with BPA. So good. I mean, I, I know it's hard to not grab the receipt. I do it. But th- these are the amount of exposures that we have on a daily basis. The body wash that you're using in the shower when the hot water opens your pores, the body lotion that you're putting on, if it's highly scented and, you know, from the, the drugstore, it's probably not the best. Um, so that's loaded with the, the parabens and the phthalates and, and that's going to be an endocrine disruptor too. So high estrogen levels will impair T4 to T3 conversion. So you're seeing this T4 to T3 conversion thing is kind of important. And there's a lot of things that can interfere with that happening. I always say it's like a marathon with hurdles, right? T4 to T3 conversion is not easy for the body to do because there are so many different factors. High insulin gets in the way. High estrogen gets in the way. Not enough iron. If you're anemic, that's going to get in the way. So there's so many different factors that come into play and and estrogen dominance is one of them. Yes. Which might have someone thinking about their menstrual cycle and hormones and how that might be related to some of the issues they're having there might even be linked to thyroid or how they can bring that in and look at that. And obviously that's something we talk about a lot on the podcast on these wild femme episodes, I always love to ask people, and this is sort of shifting gears a little bit to you, but kind of while we're on the, the estrogen conversation or hormone conversation, do you have a cycle that you anchor to, whether that's menstrual cycle, moon cycle, nature seasons, and how does that look in your life? And even in your own journey with thyroid and hormone health, what you had to go through yourself do you think that has played into that at all uh, with anchoring to a cycle or just having more awareness around it? Well, right now at the age of 47, I celebrate every month that I have my cycle on day 28. Like I'm so excited to be normal, but well, regular, well, every 28 days, I'm excited to just see my cycle coming. <laughs> so um, that's my celebratory every, every single month. Some people want, don't want to have a cycle. I'm really happy. It's beautiful. I would say looking back at my journey. So I had, I was diagnosed with hypothyroidism, Hashimoto's first. And then a couple of years later, and this is kind of what got me into, it was a functional medicine practitioner that saved me, became my mentor. So a couple of years later, and this is how close insulin resistance PCOS is with thyroid, I went back in, I said, you know, doc, listen, I, I'm, I'm breaking out here and I haven't had a period in three months and I know I'm not pregnant. I did that test, all that. I'm good. He looks at me, he goes, oh, I said, I gained weight too. He goes, you have PICOs. We can test for it. You know, we could do the vaginal ultrasound if you really want, but guarantee you have PICOs. So I started working on the insulin and the progesterone and sure enough, I had low progesterone at, you know, the age of 25. Um, and it really wasn't honestly, Jenny, I think it was maybe 10 years ago that I actually had a regular cycle and every month, like no doubt every single month, regular, regular, I was so used to being irregular. I didn't even think about it. I'm like, whatever, skipping this month again. Okay. But now that I am now I realize how much importance I need to place on that. And I honestly, I haven't landed on what I'm going to do when I hit menopause. I'm learning more and more about the, um, 
Oh goodness. It's, it's the, the Wiley method, the TS mm-hmm. Wiley method of cycling until you're, you know, 70 and 80. And I know you interviewed someone about this too. I don't know. I'm not quite sure where I land. I have a very good friend, a colleague who, who does this with women. And I mean, it makes sense, but I don't know if my body could handle all that estrogen. So I know I'll do bioidenticals and I know I will, you know, ground myself in having a cycle monthly as long as I possibly can. But there might come a time where I give it up. Maybe don't, don't do it in the 70 and 80. I don't know. Yeah. Things shift, right? And that actually makes me think um, about your previous history with fitness modeling and um, body competition and what you were into there. And what does fitness look like for you now? I always love to ask Wild Femme guests too, are you moving your body today? And if so, what's that look like? Uh, so just both, I guess. What, what does that look like overall? And today in particular, I always love to know if it's a rest day, if it's a go day. <laughs> Today's a go day. But no, I would say overall, my fitness is more balanced. I have shifted, of course, doing the competitions. I always did weightlifting. And actually, after I was done with bodybuilding and fitness and figure and dieting myself into nothingness, I switched over to powerlifting. And that was empowering. I love lifting heavy weights. My body composition totally changed for the better when I was just lifting more and doing less cardio. So I really started getting out of that whole cardio realm um, way back in my 20s. Of course, I still did it a little bit here and there, but now I don't do much cardio at all. If you see me on a cardio machine, it's just a warm up for like five minutes if it's a leg dead. So I just like, I like lifting heavy weights. I like doing hot yoga. So if I can go back and forth between those two things, I'm fine. I'll walk my dog in the morning. That gives me kind of my peaceful time, my, my recenter time. Um, sometimes it's a catch-up time with phone calls. But, and then I will definitely incorporate in usually about five days a week of, of weight training. And then one or two of those days, I just try to listen to my body. I'll throw in yoga. Like last week, super stressed, came off a really intense conference and Monday, I was just mush. So it was listen to my body day, just do some hot yoga, warm up the muscles, do some deep breathing, get into parasympathetic. So it really is, it's about li- listening to my body more than being psychotic OCD about getting in my workout now, like I used to be. It's so great to hear when someone has discovered like their path with this and, you know, they're doing what they know is right for their body. And it sounds like you have so much. And I think just hearing what you do now, it inspires other people to be thinking about how things could shift for them because you've had this whole spectrum along your journey of what that has looked like. And you mentioned a couple other things there of things that you do probably most days for your health in general, but what is one thing that you would say you do most days for your health? Yeah, I would say, honestly, it, it is taking that time out in the morning mm-hmm. where I do not book patients. I do not. That is my time. That will always remain my time. That is my time to walk my dog and get a workout in. Maybe it's a shortened amount of time. Maybe I do have ob- other obligations that I have to squeeze in. But if I can block out those couple hours to get that in, I'm a different person. That's the person that you want to meet and, and work with, not the one that got her time walking the dog and working out, taking away. So (laughs) that's really, I would say that's what I do for myself. Should I meditate more? Yes. I heard a saying that says, if you can't meditate 
for five minutes, you probably need to meditate for an hour. So <laughs> yes, I, I probably should be meditating more because I know it biologically, physiologically changes the body. We have, we have studies on this. We have the science behind this now. It's not just some foo-foo idea. Oh yeah, go over there and meditate. It actually changes, going back to the cortisol piece, it changes your adrenals and it changes your stress response. It lowers inflammation. It gets you into that parasympathetic state that we know has so many health benefits. So it's, it's good for you. I need to incorporate that in a little bit more. That's beautiful though. And what last question I love to ask, what does wild mean to you? Wild. Oh, I love that. So I believe it means doing something. It could be once a day. It could be once a month. It could be one big thing per year that is new and exciting and kind of pushes you out of your comfort zone. If we stay in our comfort zone, we just stay kind of blah. And some of us, I mean, we've been forced to stay in a little bit of a comfort zone the last year or so. So I think getting out, I mean, it could be you take a snowboarding lesson. You, you know, you go down a bigger hill. You, you know, take a dance lesson that you've always wanted to take. You learn to play the drums. That's on my bucket list. So it could be something that you're just breaking out of that comfort zone and not using your normal excuses that you always do. Well, I don't have enough time. I don't have enough money. Oh, we can't go there. Yeah, but I can't buy the equipment that I need. Just stop and go a little bit wild because it will give you that adrenaline, that joy, that sense of accomplishment and challenge overcome that no one can ever take away. That will always be in your mind. That will always be there as an experience that nobody can ever take away. And you can go back to that when you need that little bit of a boost, when you need an adrenaline rush, when you need to shift your mindset. I think that's what it means. I love it. I love asking that question and the answers are always just so amazing. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Last thing. I just want to know if there's anything that I didn't ask you that you want to leave us with related to anything we talked about, thyroid health, what women experience with their health, anything. You know, the biggest message that I always try to give is to have hope. I, I, I meet so many women so deep in their journey. They might have been to multiple different functional and integrative practitioners that didn't specialize in the thyroid. So they're still suffering. They might've spent thousands of dollars on supplements. They might've been on this journey for 10, 20 years, maybe bouncing the different doctor. I was misdiagnosed six times. You might, if you stop at misdiagnosis number two or three, you're going to stay in that same place. Go, well, you know, a doctor told me that everything's fine. Everything's normal. So I guess I'm okay. No, you got to keep going. You have to keep pushing. You have to know that there is hope. That's why I say I give people their lives back because literally it's, it's handing you your life back on a platter. Like here, you're not a hard case. This is easy. This is right here in front of, right here in front of us. And we, and we know the answer and we can treat it. It's all good. And patients are like, wait, what do you mean? Nobody's told me this. Why has anybody told me this for 10, 20 years? You have to have hope and you have to keep pushing. Be your own patient advocate keep plugging away, demand answers, demand testing, get the testing yourself. If you have to find somebody that specializes in the thyroid or hormones and, and, and do the work because it's right there. You you can't quite see it when you're really kind of distressed and frustrated, but the hope is right there. You got to have hope because that's, what's going to keep you going forward. 
Thank you. Thank you for everything that you shared for all the work that you're doing, the message you're sharing and just the way that you're sharing it, I think is so important and so needed and it's unique. And, you know, there's lots of different people talking about lots of different things with their health, but I always just really believe in the fact that there's a way that someone says it, that just lands with you at a certain time, you know, in a certain way. And Mm -hmm. so it's always just very important to have all of the voices that we do and sharing what they are and in doing all the work that they're doing to help people. So thank you. Just a reminder to check the show notes for your bonus resources and more details about our amazing guest, Dr. Amy Horneman. You can get those at jennyholbert.com forward slash one, two, eight, or just check the description wherever you're listening. Thank you so much again for being here, for sharing this episode with someone who you think might benefit. And until we chat again, go live your one wild life.